0: about the state of employee relations. Deb Moeller, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Thanks, John. Great to be here.
0: Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from upstate New York. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to talk about a recent benchmark survey uh, out by your company. And it talks all about the state of employee relations. Uh, This is a super important and timely topic. Uh, We know that the last couple of years have been super challenging uh, around anything related to employee experience, uh, attracting and retaining good employees and and everything uh, around that. So this is what we're going to be unpacking and talking about together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Deb's bio with everybody. Deb Muller is driven by an obsession to do things the right way, particularly in employee relations, where she has spent her career championing excellence and effectively managing workplace investigations. After serving in executive HR roles at numerous Fortune 500 companies, Deb launched HR Acuity to create technology with built-in expertise and equip organizations to manage employee relations more strategically. She provides a wealth of real-world experience and guidance to help companies strengthen processes, transform workplace culture, and elevate employee relations as a strategic driver of business success. She holds a BS in industrial and labor relations from Cornell University and an MA in instructional system development from the University of Maryland. Uh, pleasure to have you. Anything else you would like to share with me or my listeners by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in further?
1: No, I think that's pretty complete. I was like, wow, that, that's my background. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs>
0: Well, very good. Very good. Uh, So why don't you start by just walking us through the origins of this benchmark survey, uh, what it's all about, uh, what was even the motivation for it, what's the methodology, uh, and then we can get into some of the key findings and and unpack that a bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it, it came about pretty organically. I've actually started surveying employers back in 2008, because a prospect at the time asked me what other employers were doing. And they said, here are the 10 questions we want answers to. And I sort of said, hey, I'll go out to my network and ask those questions. I just want to own the the data and be able to report on it. And so my first survey was actually launched in 2008. It probably had about 20 questions. It went out to all of my maybe 40 contacts at that point. And I think I got 28 to respond. And there we were, the survey was launched. So I did that for several years. But as employee relations started to kind of elevate and you know get larger and what we were doing there really was more of a need for benchmarks. What are other companies doing quantitatively? And so in 2015, we launched the first study, benchmark study, uh, which has is much more thorough than the you know, little surveys I was doing. And it's continued ever since. It really is seen as the definitive resource for employee relations data. Uh, it covers about five and a half million employees at this point. And um, people are using it. They're using it to define how their employee, how their companies are managing employee relations, looking at the trends, and and we're we're pretty proud of it.
0: Yeah, that is awesome. So this most recent version of the benchmark study, the uh, the benchmark study, you say uh, how many respondents are involved?
1: it's about, well, it was about over 150 companies, but it covers about, I think it was like 5.3 or 5.4 million employees. So we lean large. We do say you have to have at least a thousand employees to participate. It's not like we don't think employee relations is important at smaller companies, but we want to make sure we're comparing apples to oranges, that people have enough uh, employees to really have processes and organizational um, practices that that we share
0: yeah yeah awesome that and that's that's fantastic um huge reach, lots of organizations, tons of employees sharing their input all that's fantastic. So what are some of the the main thematic uh, results and findings from the study and perhaps some of the biggest surprises that came out of this iteration?
1: yeah, so this year, so we've been doing the survey for about five years. um I think one of the things we saw this year, which we can kind of definitively say is that the data reveals that ER is a function in and of itself. And so when I look at that, um, when I think about my time as a practitioner before I started HR Acuity, I was as you said, I was doing HR for many years, Um, ER was just transactional. It was just something we did. Nobody really talked about it. It was part of our jobs. Um, But we're really seeing that defined shift. Um, And several employee relation trends are now standard practices. So the types of ER issues that teams have handled – are expanding. They're doing more than just the traditional policy violations or allegations. They're dealing with ER analytics, proactive ER training, policy development, oversight, um, required employee training. So the scope of employer relations has grown. Uh, We're seeing that centralization has become a dominant model. Really, since we started the survey in 2016, 88% of organizations use some form of centralized or mixed model structure for employee relations. Um, So it is their own function or category, so to speak. Uh, Technology. It's definitely changed. It's maintained a stronghold. 72% of respondents use some sort of employee relations and investigations tech platform for tracking employee relations. And I have to say, when I started this back in 2008, Excel was really the tech of choice that we got excited about. When people were using that, we like applauded because that was a good thing. Um, and, And that just also kind of brings into the last one where the data is now, it is required. 92% of employee relations teams now track some type of metric. So it's all really good. And it's a foundation from which we need to continue to work. So yeah, I would, that's, yeah, go ahead.
0: That's, that's fantastic. Great, great, uh, great overview of some of those main thematic elements and and key findings from this current survey. What were some of those biggest surprises that jumped out at you and perhaps were different from previous iterations.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure they were different, but it was sort of, they became more amplified in today's society. Um, You know, despite our understanding, despite the change in the world, we still need to work on the rigor that we put into the processes for managing issues that come up in the organization. So a couple of stats that stand out about this relate to really how we manage investigations, and we hear a lot about that in the news now. So when an employee alleges that something's happening to them, something's gone wrong, it's Disheartening for me kind of year over year to see that consistent with last year only 44% of organizations use a required process for conducting investigations and that's problematic. Um, First of all progress is stalled we saw an uptick. Prior to COVID, and this it was in the '50s, so we were hopeful, but sort of it's come back down. Um, Obviously, it creates a huge legal exposure for organizations and compliance risk, and it negatively impacts employee experience towards building trust. So that that's a concern. Um, We know that employees are really now looking for organizations to do the right thing, to do things the right way. Um, They're reevaluating their priorities, their time. They want to work for organizations that share their values. So we really have to think about why we're still at such a low percentage of this required practices. The other thing sort of that that's also kind of connected to investigations and is troubling is the rate in which we train our investigators. So organizations continue to train their investigators less frequently than they did a few years ago. Um, And this is consistent with last year as well. Last year was kind of a weird year because when we pulled people in the previous year, like half of them... We're in the middle of COVID, and half of them did it early and had never heard of the word COVID, so the, the results were a little um, wacky. Um, but just one quarter of organizations currently train their investigators once a year or more, and two-thirds of organizations don't train their investigators at all or just do so on an as-needed basis. Um, and And we really have to consider that the workplace is so drastically different than it was a few years ago. That I don't think we can afford doing things in this ad hoc matter. Um, The job of an investigator is very different than it was a few years ago, and we're really doing a disservice to our employees and our investigators by not providing continual learning on these topics.
0: Yeah, and maybe we can uh, double click on that and go a little deeper yeah. just in terms of how the pandemic has impacted employee relations. Yeah. You kind of referred to that in your, in your previous comment. Uh, but let's unpack that a little bit further. Um you know, you talked about an acceleration yeah. um, of, of some of the of these themes uh over the last couple of years. Um
1: can you yeah. can you
0: share more detail about that? Sure.
1: I mean the pandemic of course has continued to and will probably continue to exert its influence on the workforce. Employee, employee relations practitioners were just thrown into this unknown a couple of years ago when they were dealing with things that, that just had never come on their plate. Um, we actually saw, so this was the first year we could really measure the impact, and our survey said that the majority of participants attributed to an increase in case volume to COVID-19. So 85% attributed a large increase. And when we look at the case volume specifically, this was further supported by a reported increase in accommodation requests, uh, likely due to COVID-19 vaccine-related requests. Uh, from our community standpoint, our employee relations community that we also um, have, we've had numerous leadership, thought leadership sessions, community conversations, and, you know, spot surveys about how practitioners are managing so much of this. You know, when people are going out, when they're returning, vaccine-related topics, accommodation. So absolutely, COVID has impacted the employer relations.
0: Yeah, and maybe if we just focus in on even the last year of COVID moving into perhaps somewhat of a post-COVID world, even though COVID's still a thing and it's still something we're concerned about, um, what, what have you seen some of the, what has fueled the biggest changes over the past year?
1: Yeah, I think it's sort of looking um, sort of at the aggregate and and looking at what we've dealt with over the past five years, right? It hasn't just been COVID. A lot's been happening to the world that's impacted ER directly over many years. I mean, back in 2017, we're about to celebrate, well, let's not say celebrate, we're about to have the anniversary or the, the marking of five years since Me Too, right? And then we had the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, this continual focus on diversity and inclusion. Then we had covid and so there's really been this paradigm shift occurring that's blurred the lines between the outside world and the inside workplace. And we're seeing that in the employer relations function, how they re-examine and recognize a requirement to evolve and create more diverse, equitable, inclusive work environments. So now the question is, will there be meaningful changes? Will this just be another point in time? Um, you know, And, and will organizations not just employee relations they can't do it themselves the like organizations be looking at this as an opportunity to make you know lasting change
0: yeah and and let's go there next and talk yeah. uh, more about how companies how should, should be responding <laughs> yeah how do you go about yeah doing so that I do. with some of these results
1: yeah strangely I have a viewpoint on that um so, <laughs> so it's changes so I think as ER leaders. Um, the data really needs us to force us to consider different things. How are we going to drive change? Um, The data indicates, number one, our survey indicates they're not going to get a lot more resources. So a lot more work, a lot different work, but the resources are not going to be there. So they really have to think about what what they need to do differently. Um, I think there's some opportunity in technology, technology innovation. That's how we gain efficiencies and insights. Uh, Creating ways to drive consistency in their processes. Again, back to requirements that... So we can scale down the organization predictably and reliably, um, looking for processes that can be streamlined. And part of that is upskilling and arming our managers with what they need and the confidence, including technology, to do their jobs. Managers are truly the front line when we think about employee relations. By the time it gets to the ER pros, something has gone wrong, right? We want to get better at catching it and identifying it even before our employees know there's something wrong. And there really has to be a reckoning that the workforce is different and the demands are different, and I and I think there's going to be repercussions if if employers don't respond.
0: Yeah, excellent. Um, you, you talked about the last five years and the shifts. Um, do you, what what if you were to like to look into the crystal ball? You're looking into maybe what you might see coming in, in the next year, the next five years. Uh, in the employee relations space? What might that look like, do you think?
1: Yeah, well, I think we're starting to see signs of what's going to be there. So and I'll share one point that I thought was really interesting in the survey. Um, We had a 10 point increase in employee relations managing activities related to unions in 2021. Okay, so if you think about that, some of the recent unionization activities, Starbucks, Amazon, Trader Joe's, we know this is becoming more prevalent, um, and in industries and in companies that are not traditionally labor, that we don't think of labor. So there's a sub- couple of questions that we have to ask ourselves. Are our ER teams are prepared to handle this? Um, these are not, as I said, they're not traditionally unionized organizations. Um, so first of all, do our ER professionals, or our leadership for that matter, have the skills and expertise to navigate this? And even those with traditional labor experience should recognize that this time is really different. And secondly, and maybe more importantly, we have to think about why is this happening now? You know, employees, as we know, have really a new set of expectations of their employers. And when they feel that they're not being heard, when they don't feel they understand why decisions are being made or how issues are being handled, they are going to be prone to look outside, outside of the organization, Um, For organizations like unions or create these unions that are more than happy to help them get their voices heard, to be a voice in driving how they're treated, and really to provide more transparency to them about what the organization is doing. And from an ER perspective, we need to do better with that transparency. Our studies will kind of go back to that, those nuggets in our study, fewer than one in five organizations share aggregated anonymous investigation or employee relations data with employees. And uh, even those that are due it only share it once a year. And this is concerning because transparency drives accountability and it shows that employee issues and allegations will be taken seriously. Um, and we've just, you know, we haven't seen, this is sort of the same as it was in 2020, um, you know, and we know that, In this environment, we know that employees expect that transparency from their organizations over just about everything, right? We're getting more transparent about pay ranges. Uh, There's been changes to regulations related to forced arbitration and confidentiality. Um, Employees want to know where organizations are investing or who they're advertising with. We know this is critical to driving trust within our function, within our organization, with our employees. So, My message, and I think the overarching message to employee relations professionals, is this is going to show up in ER sooner rather than later, this demand for transparency. So it's not comfortable, but the other option is to wait and let it be dictated to us by our employees about who they choose to work for and who they don't. So as leaders, we need to proactively decide what we think our employees want and how the organization will be willing to buy into it, Um, how transparent can we get And if we're worried about what's going to be uncovered, if we have to be transparent, then we need to fix it. Um, There's actually a bill introduced in Congress this summer, so it's coming, called Ending Secrecy About Workplace Harassment Act, um, which would require companies to submit an annual report that talks about how they manage harassment allegations and settlements. So I, of course, cannot predict what's actually going to make it into law these days, because that's a whole other podcast, Um, but it's coming and it's, there's so many reasons that organizations need to be playing on the offense now and ER can really take the lead here.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's coming. Everything you just said about transparency, I think it's spot on and people just demand it. Consumers demand it. Employees demand it, Uh, especially, I mean, the younger you get in the workforce, the more they demand it. They just do not, young millennial (laughs) and Gen Z workers do not want to work for shady organizations. They have extreme distrust of institutions they expect and demand transparency. And so in the war for talent, if if we think just about attracting and retaining really great people so that we have a great team to innovate and bring value to the market, we're going to be setting ourselves up for a lot of pain if we can't lean into more transparency. And I get it. I get why organizations are hesitant. I get that that's different than kind of the, the mindset, um, that was in business for generations, but this is the world that we're in. Uh, the internet age requires transparency. It allows us to share so much, so quickly viral moments, uh, about products, about customer experiences, about employee experiences. We just have to recognize that as much as we, you know, some leaders may lament that and may wring their hands about it and be frustrated by it. I mean, okay, you can be upset by it, but it's the reality. So you have to figure out how you're going to navigate it. Uh, Otherwise your, your organization is going to suffer. So I think all of that is, is spot on as we think about the coming year, the next even five to 10 years, um, I don't see that changing either. Like, yeah. um, I don't I don't see the pressure towards transparency reducing. Uh, it <laughs> seems like it's probably going to be ratcheted up more.
1: Yeah. And so our, our thing is like, so let's get ahead of it and figure out what we can do. I mean, we have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and things not being right. Employees don't know that things don't always go right at work. They know that. They don't expect perfection. But what they expect is when something goes wrong, how you manage it. How do you handle it? We we call it the moments that matter. That is what they think about. And when you handle it the right way, it's amazing how much they share, right? We know that from the internet, how much they share and that that's going to kind of build your positive employee brand. What we're seeing a little bit of, and I hope it continues to expand, is employees being more proactive and sort of getting ahead of things before they go wrong, you know, and using technology to find those predictive indicators in the workplace that maybe there are leadership issues or there's, um, bias that's going on in the workplace or retaliation before the employee has to have something bad happen to them and before you force them to come forward if they come forward and tell you about it because up until now it's been we're waiting we're waiting until an employee says oh my god I'm being harassed let's not get to that point let's look i mean that's going to happen i mean we're not going to get perfect but there are ways that employers can really start looking at behaviors seeing what's going on and you know, fixing it, putting their arms around employees to put them in the safest, most productive place they can be to do their jobs. And that's going to bode well for the the employer.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love it, Deb. Great conversation. Uh, congrats on uh, continuing such an important report. Uh, That's really influencing industry. And uh, I really encourage my audience to check it out because I I think there's so much detail there that's going to be really beneficial. Uh, I know at the time I need to let you go here in just a few minutes, but before we wrap up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with my audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, where they can find the report, and then give us a final word on the topic for today.
1: Yeah, so, um, okay, you can get the report. It's free on our website, hrqd.com. You can download it there. I also encourage you, if you are in employer relations, any facet of your job, we have an online community it's called empower you can um get to it from our, our website but it is empower er.org it is free to join it is a place we have over three thousand employee relations practitioners who are on the live feed asking questions sharing we have community conversations roundtables. so we'd love to get everybody involved there's also lots of job postings there so if you're looking for people or if you're looking for your next opportunity um please come out and and go there um Final thoughts. Just really looking to continue to see how ER, you know, increases in relevance relevance and continues to ascend and become integral in organizations. Um, There's a lot of positive signs we're seeing. We have some great practitioners and leaders out there doing the right thing, and they're going to lead the way. And we're excited to be working with them.
0: Awesome, thank you, Deb. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage my audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Deb and her team can do for you. Check out the report, and as always. I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support.